भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षस्तनु व्यषेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति न पूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शांति 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 ओम ओ गॉड्स मे वी हियर ऑस्पिशियस वर्ड्स विद द इयर्स वाइल एंगेज्ड इन सैक्रिफाइसेस मे वी सी ऑस्पिशियस थिंग्स विद आवर आईज वाइल प्रेजिंग द गॉड्स विद स्टडी लिम्स मे वी एंजॉय अ लाइफ दैट इज बेनिफिशियल टू द गॉड्स may indra of ancient fame be auspicious to us may the all knowing pusha god of the earth be propitious to us may garuda the destroyer of evil be well disposed towards us may brihaspati ensure our welfare om peace 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 so we are studying the mundaka upanishad and we have entered the second chapter the second mundaka now we are going to start the fourth mantra we have done the first second and third mantras we going to start the fourth mantra fourth mantra 214 agni mudha chakshushi chandra suryo disharshrotre vagvivritascha vedah vayu prano hridayam vishvamasya वाइटल फोर्स the whole universe is the heart and it is he from whom from whose two feet emerged the earth all right so what's going on here the original question was the student shonaka asked what is that by knowing which i can know everything and the answer from the teacher was there is uh, of course first he said knowing is of two kinds the two kinds of knowledge what you normally consider knowledge all that is lower knowledge and what you are asking for is some a different kind of knowledge it's the higher knowledge paravidya paravidya then he goes on to describe what this higher knowledge can be like um so the idea here is uh, how can you know everything well you can know everything if you know the cause of everything cause means Uh, the material that which produces or that which becomes everything it's a bit like uh, the examples which are used in the upanishads clay and pottery gold and ornaments iron and uh, the implements made of iron uh, basically the idea is that if you know clay then you know all pottery made out of that clay what would you know about the pottery that it is substantially clay what it is it in reality is clay 
the, the shapes of the pots may be different. The designs may be different. You can give them different names. You can call it a pot or a jar or whatever. But uh, the material itself is clay. Uh, similarly, waves of different kinds and um, you know sizes and all. But you know, it's basically it's water. So in that sense, if we know the material cause of anything, by material cause, the substance out of which anything is made, then we know all the products. So now the question which was originally asked transforms, translates into um, how do I know the variety of things in this universe? Well, you can know the variety of things in this universe, all of it at once, because there is one reality which actually produces all of this or becomes all of this. And that one reality, uh, in the very beginning, the Rishi, the master, called it um, Akshara, the imperishable. So if you know the Akshara, you know everything. Now, um, in this section, which is uh, start, which has started now, this Mundaka, what he is showing is how this entire universe is showing in detail. The Upanishad is showing us how this entire universe has emerged from this Akshara. This Akshara, another name given is Purusha. So the emergence of the universe, all the variety from oneness, from one reality to the many. And this process of creation, emergence, projection, whatever you call it, has um, three stages. Stage one is the causal, stage two is the subtle, and stage three is the gross or physical. Causal, subtle, and gross. One good way of understanding it is, our own experiences every day, in deep sleep, in dream, and in waking. So, waking universe, here you are, in, you feel that you're in contact with a physical external universe, and we contact it through our senses. And in our dreams, after waking up from the dream, we realize we inhab inhabited a, a world of, we just created only in the mind. We seem to see people inhabit a world, but it was all in the mind. So that's a subtle universe. And then we go into a deep sleep state where it seems to be nothing, but clearly it cannot be nothing because we come back from it again and again every day. So that can be called the seed state or the causal state. Everything that we see about ourselves is there in the deep sleep state, but it's not um, it's not experienced in its particularity, in its uh, you know in detail or in in its granularity. It is seen as it is just experienced as a uniform blankness. So our daily experience is uh, phenomenologically from how it feels from within us is of three types. One is the deep sleep, the causal, uh, the seed state. The other one is the dream state, the subtle state. And then there's this physical state, the gross state. In Sanskrit, karana sukshma sthula. Now, if we understand that, we will understand what is being said here. The... Um, the causal level of this creation of the from the one to the many, the causal level is called uh, Ishwara or Saguna Brahman, Bhagavan. Consciousness plus Maya. What is Maya? The sum total of all seeds, of all causes, of all names and forms in the seed form. And what is Brahman? Reality. So you can see immediately what is the um, the Vedantic idea of creation. There is reality, existence. And when it is covered with a network of names and forms, what do you get? You get this world. I'll repeat that again. Reality, sat, being. When you cover it with names and forms, you get this world. 
or to put it even more simply, instead of being so metaphysical, everything that we see around ourselves are basically names, forms, and functions with existence. The existence comes from Brahman, and the names, forms, and functions are all, uh, they all are projections of Maya. So the causal state, like our deep sleep state, is um, Brahman, that Akshara, the ultimate reality, and uh, Maya. Then comes a, a state of the, the subtle universe, where they're just like our dream state, there is that causal state, Akshara, which is Ishwara, Saguna Brahman, that is um, Brahman plus Maya. And then there is what is called the cosmic mind. So just like our dream worlds, there's a cosmic mind. That state is called Hiranyagarbha. And then finally, there is this physical universe, which we experience. So this physical universe is called Virat. Another name is Vishwarupa. Interestingly, what we are going to read now is also those who attend the Gita class. We are reading that in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjuna has an experience of this, um, you know, the Virat, the vast nature of the Lord. Um, so uh, that is what is being talked about here. What is said in the 11th chapter and what is going to be um, said here now are one and the same thing. This is a theme which you come across again and again in the Upanishads and also in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, God as this universe, the universe as the body of God. And often it's described in very poetic, very awe-inspiring terms, you know. The entire universe is the body of God. The sun and the moon are the eyes of God. Um, you know, the it will be, be said here, we will read it. The universe itself is the heart of God and so on. Now let us see what has been said here. Agni Mudha, fire. Uh, here fire, Agni, fire stands for the sun. The source of all heat and life in this uh, in our world. So the sun. And the sun stands for the heavens. So the heavens are the head. Literally, if you see the fire is the head. <laughs> but what it means is the heavens are the head of the Lord. What's, what's being done here? The physical form, the final product, this physical universe is being described not as a physical dead universe, as the body of God. See, what we see here, we are seeing the same thing, but we see it as uh, an objective dead universe. But in the vision of these, of the Vedic people, it was consciousness with this entire universe as the body, just as you or I are sentient beings with a body. Similarly, they saw this, uh, that one consciousness with the entire universe as, as its body. So they're trying to describe it poetically. So what is the head of this cosmic person, as it were? The head of the cosmic person is heaven. And heaven is symbolized by the most luminous body in the heaven, which is sun. And the sun is called fire. So fire is equal to sun is equal to heaven. And what is why heaven? Heaven is the head. Imagine a cosmic being whose head is heaven. Then Chakshushi Chandra Suryo, whose eyes, just like with the two eyes we see, is cosmic person, very, uh, you know, uh, anthropic. So this person is imagined with the two luminous bodies, the one which illumines our day, the sun, the one which illumines our nights, the moon. The sun and the moon are the eyes of this cosmic person, which illumines the world. I remember um, very powerful poetry of Aurobindo, where he describes this, this vision itself. The world drowned in the white radiance of an immortal gaze. In, in, 
the world drowned in the white glare of an uh, immortal gaze. The world drowned in the white glare of an immortal gaze. What is the immortal gaze? The, the sun. God is gazing down at us through this. And that is the white glare. And the world, as it were, is drowned in that radiance. So the eye, eyes of the Lord are the sun and the moon, the most luminous bodies which we see. Disha uh, Shrotre, what are the years of this cosmic person? So the ten directions. You know, if you notice in a ritualistic worship, the pujari, the worshipper, will indicate the ten directions. So there is the north and then the south and the east and the west, but also the northeast and the um, southeast and then the southwest and the northwest. And then there is up and down. So ten directions and they all have their Vedic names. But what are these directions? They're not just directions. They are the years of the Lord. So the, the, the idea being the years of the Lord are everywhere. Yeah, there is no privacy. <laughs> Nowadays they say all our digital devices are listening to you and they are. So similarly, um, the Lord is always listening. So the years of the directions, all directions, the years of the Lord are there. Then Vagvivritashchavedaha. So does he speak? Does he have a mouth and a tongue? Does the Lord speak? Yes. The um, the 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 wide-ranging Vedas, the variety of instruction in the Vedas uh, are the speech of the Lord. So literally it, here it indicates that the Vedas are revealed scripture. Uh, but not revealed in the Abrahamic sense. Here it is revealed in the sense that always existing spiritual knowledge is given by God or Ishwara. That same Brahman with the power of Maya. It is revealed to humanity each time humanity is manifested. You know, we have we believe in this cycle of creation, existence, destruction, again creation, existence, destruction. So in each cycle of creation, one of the things which happens is the spiritual knowledge is given to humanity. So this uh, that's why it's revealed knowledge. How is it revealed? Rishis. It, in uh, Hinduism, there isn't one person to whom it is revealed. Rather, there are a whole host of spiritual seers. We barely know their names. So Hinduism, you can notice that Hinduism actually is very impersonal. Um, so the, the original sources, the Vedanta, the Vedas, they're very impersonal. It's not important who the person was who first discovered these truths. So these, these are discoveries. They didn't compose it. The rishis didn't, these things were not composed. The idea of the rishi, the sage, Vedic sage is rishaya mantra drashtara. The rishis are the seers of these mantras. They saw it. They didn't compose it. They didn't invent it. They didn't think it up. Uh, so they are the seers of these truths. And these truths are what? The Vedas. These are the, this is the speech of that cosmic person. The speech of that cosmic person is the Vedas. Then like we breathe, our, we have prana, our physiological forces. Does this cosmic person have a prana? Yes. Vayu prana. Visualize the atmosphere of this world as the prana uh, of this cosmic person. It's a visualization. Vayu prana. Hridayam vishwamasya. This whole world is, how beautifully said, the world is the heart of God. Hridayam vishwamasya. Asya purushasya. Of this purusha, of this Brahman, Saguna Brahman, Ishwara, Bhagavan. Hridayam Vishwam. The, the world is the heart of this. You can call it the world or you can call it the universe itself. Padbhyam Prithivi. Padbhyam Prithivi. From the hallowed feet of this Lord, 
comes the earth, the, this physical world. So this physical world has come. So this is in some other um, uh, Vedic hymns, you find the world is described as, as the feet of the Lord. Or sometimes it is the world has come from the feet of this cosmic person. And yet, Desha Sarva Bhutantaratma. Where is this Lord now? I mean, we can see the world, we can see sun and moon, we can see the fire and all the uh, space and earth. But where is the Lord now? The Lord is Sarva Bhutantaratma, is the self, the inner self of all beings, all of us. In all of us, there's an inner self. Um, Shankaracharya, in his commentary, he says, Esha Deva Vishnu. So this is Vishnu. Who is Vishnu? The, the Lord which pervades, the cosmic Lord who pervades the universe. Anantaha, limitless. Why limitless? Limit is something is there and then other than that something else is there. So the, whatever is the first thing is limited by the second thing. Let me repeat that. If there is one thing and something other than that is, the first one is limited by the second one because it is not the second one. But if something includes everything, so entire physical universe is included. Entire subtle universe. What is subtle universe? All our minds, thoughts, our internal world. Entire causal universe. What is the causal universe? The seed form, Maya. All of it is included. So that is called Ananta. And of course, in reality, it is existence consciousness, please. So it is Ananta, limitless. Prathama Shariri. <laughs> the first embodied. Very profound word. This magnificent being, this cosmic being, this limitless being is yet in one sense limited. Why limited? Remember, in each creation, it is manifest newly. Once, once this universe disappears, this embodied Virat, Vishwarupa will also disappear. Because the body will disappear. This whole world will disappear. The physical universe will disappear. The subtle universe will disappear. Back into what? The seed form. The seed universe will also disappear. No, no, no. The seed universe will not disappear. What will exist between two universes is that same uh, uh, Ishwara, the same uh, uh, Saguna Brahman, consciousness plus Maya. That will continue to exist. In the next universe, again, the subtle universe and the physical universe will manifest. So this Virat, this Vishwarupa is unique to each universe. It comes again and again and again. So Prasama Shariri, the first embodied, we are also embodied, but we come very late in the sequence. First embodied is Virat, the vast universe. When we are embodied, what is our upadhi? How are we embodied? With this body. I am a conscious being with this body. This is called upadhi, my adjunct, by which, which I am embodied. How is Vishnu embodied? Trilokya deha upadhi, Shankaracharya says. In three words, the entire universe is the upadhi, is the body of this embodied being. And where is this universe? Sarvesham Bhutanam Antaratma. It is the inner consciousness of all sentient beings. So it's grounded, located not only in the external physical universe, not only our inner thoughts and feelings, but what we consider to be ourselves, essentially ourselves, this awareness, this consciousness. This is who Vishnu is, in all beings, however, not cut off, not limited. Then Shankaracharya goes on to say, very graphically and directly, Sahi Sarva Bhuteshu Trashta Shrota Manta Vigyata Sarva Karana Atma. He says, That Vishnu, that uh, cosmic God, 
is the innermost self in all and then more graphically in all beings in all of us all human beings and all animals in all the gods in heavens whoever there is drashta shrota banta vigyata the one who is seeing the one who is hearing the one who is thinking and feeling the one who is understanding that one but we will say but i am hearing right now i am seeing yes that one you as ramana maharshi would say but who are you <laughs> sri ramakrishna says in the gospel of sri ramakrishna are tumi ke hai who are you do you know who you are <laughs> if you knew that the whole mystery would be solved but we really don't know we stop at this individuality that's where we stop so notice how this individuality is being expanded you are not what you think you are limited to this one person you are all of this you are one with vishnu the cosmic being that vishnu in each of us is the seer hearer thinker understander i mean i'm i'm mangling english but anyway this is what it means then so now you can see the verse the mantra this cosmic person third level of projection first level is the seed form maya consciousness plus maya second level consciousness plus maya plus cosmic mind name hiranyagarbha first level name was ishvara saguna brahman second level name is um, hiranyagarbha third level consciousness plus maya plus cosmic mind plus cosmic body universe name virat here um is also known as purusha all three are called purusha at the pure consciousness level and at the three levels of projection now so it the at the third level just to go through it agni murdha the heavens are the head of this uh, this cosmic being now we understand the eyes of this cosmic being are sun and the moon the ears are the ten directions the vedas the holy vedas are the speech of this cosmic being uh, the atmosphere which roars around this earth is the prana of this cosmic being and this world itself is the heart of this cosmic being and the earth has been produced by the uh, from the feet of this cosmic being and this being is in and through all of us it is our innermost self it is that which is right now hearing and seeing and thinking and understanding that one now further all of this all these mantras are for the creation of the universe so this is going to describe and remember why all this is being described so the creation of the universe comes from one cause one material cause so if you know that one material cause you will know all of this that that's the whole point of it now is going to show how all beings are produced so the physical universe has been produced now you have virat the cosmic person vishnu uh, vishwarupa it's there now how are we all how are we all coming how are we born so the cycle of birth and death the cycle of life will be described and uh, this will be described in a particular esoteric way which comes from uh, which is actually referring back to another very ancient upanishad the chandogya upanishad this is called the the science of the five fires panchagni vidya the science of the five fires let me just chant the mantra and translation and then i'll explain what the five fires are but what is the remember what is the point of this mantra now he is going to show how individual beings like us are, are born not only born how do we die how are we born and the whole explanation will sound very esoteric to our ears uh, because 
this is this is a very ancient text and it has the vedic context there's a particular way they thought so that it's very interesting though let me chant the mantra now mantra number 5 tasmad agni samidho yasya surya somat pajanya oshadaya prithivyam puman reta sinchati yoshitayam so the science of the five fires. What does it mean? From him, that cosmic person, emerges the fire of the heaven whose fuel is the sun. So the heaven itself is fire and the, the fuel, what is burning is the sun. Then the next one is from the moon emerges clouds and from clouds the herbs uh, and corns on the earth. A man sheds his seed into a woman. From the Purusha have thus originated many creatures. So these are the five fires. What is this? Uh, uh, what is these? What are these five fires? So remember, the original source is the Chandogya Upanishad. Here, just an outline is given. If you go back to the original source, it is it describes this cycle of birth and death. In the Vedic scheme of things, so when a person died. Uh, even now, you can see it in Hindu funeral ceremonies. The funeral after death is also a ceremony. It's also a ritual. It's called Antyeshti. Ishti means a Vedic ceremony, a Vedic uh, ritual. And the final Vedic ritual a Vedic person was supposed to perform is after the death. All your life you perform these from conception onwards till death. And after death, the last sacrifice you perform is with your dead body. I mean, you don't do it. Others do it for you. Your uh, children or near uh, or close relatives will do it. So the idea is the dead body is offered into the fire as this person all life through uh, has been offering, giving offerings into the fire, the Vedic fire. Similarly, the last offering given is the dead body. Uh, now, so that's the, so, so from that, uh, after it is offered into the fire, an accompaniment of mantras and chanting. It's a full ritual. Now, this is the idea. Through a process of five fires, this sentient being will be reborn again. There will be five fires which will come after this. What, do, what are these fires? Five processes. Five processes through which this sentient being who has just died and who has offered up the dead body to the funeral fire will now be reborn through a process of five fires. What are the five fires? The first fire is heaven. After death, this uh, sentient being will go to heaven and get some kind of a subtle body in heaven and enjoy you know, uh, the fruits of the karma in heaven for some time. Then he will, that, that uh, body, that, that sentient being will now come down from heaven to the um, to clouds, actual clouds. And those clouds, so that is the second fire. The second fire is in the atmosphere. The clouds themselves are the fire. And the third fire uh, is when the rains come from the clouds. Uh, that sentient being will come down with the rains to the earth. The earth itself is the third fire. And uh, from the earth through food, uh, this the sentient being will proceed to the father. The father, the male, is the fourth fire. And from the male, the father, 
the sentient being proceeds to the uh, mother during conception. Mother is the fifth fire. And finally, is born at the end, is born as a baby. So this is a process of the human rebirth. The sentient being is reborn as a human being in the, the process of these five fires. I'll repeat again. Heaven, cloud, earth, father, mother. You start off by an invisible something which goes to heaven and at the end of the five fires, five processes, is born a baby. Uh, a, a physical human body, a baby body. Now, the state of this sentient being, what, what kind of a body do we have at the, these five processes? They, that also has some names. In heaven, your name, the, the body's name, it will not be a human body. It, it, it is called Soma. The body is called Soma. So, it, you know, the Soma was a very important word in Vedic ritualism. So, Soma, that is, the, that is your state at heaven. And then the body which is produced at the second fire, at the end of the second fire. Remember, the second fire is clouds. So the body which is produced in the second fire is vrishti, rain. <laughs> and then the third fire is prithivi, earth. The body which is produced at the end of the third fire is annam, food, grains which are produced. Um, then the fourth fire is the male, the father. And the body which is produced at the uh, by the fourth fire is retas, is the seed or the semen. And then the fifth fire is yoshit, is the woman. And then the body which is produced is the purusha, is the physical body or praja, the actual baby which is produced. So these are the five fires. Panchagni vidya. But this is, you can see, this is, the whole thing is a kind of ritual context. It's talking about a cycle of life. But the whole background is a Vedic ritual context. It's very interesting. And it's, it's from, you can, here you can see the Vedic belief that after death one goes to heaven. You can see a natural cycle of life where rainfall and food production and human reproduction are connected. You can see uh, the, um, you know, the male and the female and marriage and conception and childbirth, all of that. Uh, a, a ritualistic concept, conception of heaven and earth, a natural conception of the cycle of life, you know, rainfall and food and all that. And then the family idea of uh, a marriage and ch conception and childbirth and then getting a physical birth. Now, all this is the background, uh, but all the details are not given in this mantra. If you look at the mantra now, let's take a look. Tasmad Agnihi. Therefore, first, from that tasmat, from that purusha, always remember, in every mantra comes tasmat, tasmat. Tasmat means from that. From what? From purusha, from um, Ishwara, Saguna Brahman. From that is produced all of this. And remember the original point of it. All of these are nothing but modifications, um, transformations, appearances of that one underlying principle. So if you know that one underlying principle, you know all of this. The question being, what is that by knowing which I can know everything? All, everything is what is being described now. Everything is being described. But all of them have come from that one reality. And if they have come from that one reality, as pottery from clay, ornaments from gold, waves from water, all of these, these five fires, this human reproduction, the cosmic body, all of them are nothing but that. If you know that, you know all of these. Anyway, now, the first fire 
is the heavens. And remember, what was the body in those heavens? Somaha. How, what is the fire, what is burning in the heavens? Samidho yasya surya. Samidho, samit is the, uh, the Vedic, in, in the Vedic fire, the firewood which burns. Uh, so that, so the poetry here, one must understand, is always the, what they have in their mind is the Vedic sacrificial fire. And there's firewood which is burning. Here, what is, what is the firewood which is burning in the sky? The sun is the firewood burning in the sky. Samidho yasya surya. Then what happens? What is what is the body produced there? Soma. See, Soma. So from Soma, the next step is um, Pajanya. That is clouds. Megha or Pajanya, it's clouds. The next fire is clouds. And from clouds comes rain. The rain is not mentioned here. It straight, straight away goes to Prithivi, um, to the earth. Rain falls on the earth. That is, you have to fill in in between. And then the earth is the third fire. What is produced by the third fire? Food. Or it says here, Oshadhyaha, herbs, grains, uh, you know, crops, they're produced. So that's the third body. First body, remember, Soma, in the skies, in the heavens. Second body is rainfall. Third body is uh, herbs and grains and all food crops. Then that is eaten by the father. The fourth fire, Puman Reta Sinchati Yoshitayam. Fourth fire is the father and produces the fourth body, which is the Retas. That's us. We are going through all these stages. So each sentient being then dwells in the father's body. Sinchati Yoshitayam. Um, so it is transferred into the body of the Yoshit, which means the, the woman, uh, the young woman, basically. And uh, in the body of the young woman, Final stage, the final fire is the woman in whom who nurtures the baby within herself. And then finally, prajaha. Prajaha means the baby is born. It literally means uh, beings which are born. Beings which are born. Prajaha. Bhavvi. How many? Bhavvi. And so many, many be, be fruitful and multiply in, in biblical language. So Bhavvi. Many are the beings which are thus born. Purusha Atsam Prasuta. Here Purusha means that original one conscious being, one consciousness from which all of this has come. Notice the immanence of the divine. Just as gold is immanent in all the ornaments, clay in all the pottery, uh, water in the waves. Similarly, this Purusha is immanent in all of creation, in the heavens, uh, in the atmosphere, in clouds and rainfall, in the natural world, in 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 trees and uh, uh, in animals, in men and women, and and is being born continuously. I remember this Meister uh, um, Eckhart, the great Catholic mystic, of about five hundred years ago in Germany. So he writes, "What does God do all day long? What does God do all day long?" And then he says. He lies on a great maternity bed and keeps giving birth all day long. <laughs> God is born all day long. But that sounds very odd because the idea of uh, he. But in the Indian conception, it's no problem at all because it's always mother also. So the Purusha, the consciousness is being born as this entire cosmos. This is the birth. So this one 
earlier we saw the emergence of the physical universe but it's still one being now we see the emergence of millions and billions of beings and not just once we are born and then what will happen when the baby is born the baby will grow into a child and child into a teenager, teenager into a middle-aged person, then an old person, and then the person will die and be antiyashti, the final fire, and then go back to he heaven again for the rotation to start all over again. And this will go on and on and on until you end up in Vedanta class and learn who you truly are. Then only you'll be freed from all of this. Now, another stage. This very Vedic ritualism itself, this also comes from the Purusha, from that pure consciousness. This is going to be said now. Number six, the Vedas and all kinds of Vedic rituals, all of them have come from uh, that Purusha, that consciousness plus Maya. And these are, by the way, very nice poetry. They're not like classical Sanskrit poetry. They are more, they are, the sound is Vedic, but it's also poetry. It's not subtle, but it's in, in a certain sense, it's very mystical and very vigorous. And it's simple, direct, uh, you know, rhythm and diction, simple language, but forceful and very natural, very, um, I think it is Thoreau who said when he was reading the Gita, that one, uh, uh, every day in the morning, I, I, I get up and read the uh, Gita and I am bathed in the light of a pure luminary from the light coming from the very dawn of civilization. <laughs> you feel like that when you read this text. Then next one. The emergence of the Vedic rituals themselves. Tasmad richasama yajung shiriksha yajnascha sarve kratavodakshinascha sangvat sarascha yajamanascha lokaha Somo yatra pavati yatra surya. Very nice. Uh, you can you can hear the music of that of the language. What is it saying now? From that purusha, from that consciousness with Maya, emerges the Vedas. How? Rik, Rigveda, Sama, Sama Veda, Yaju, Yajur Veda, the mantras which comprise these these texts. Diksha, initiation. Yajnascha Sarve, the variety of rituals, sacrifices, which are mentioned in the Vedas. Kratavo Dakshinascha. Uh, Kratavo means another special kind of, these, these were big sacrifices, which involved, uh, technically they are the ones which involved sacrifice. That means actual animal sacrifice. They would be sacrificial post. That was a technical way of distinguishing these from the regular sacrifices. Dakshina, the... Um, so from him emerges Rik, Sama and Yajur mantras, initiation, all the sacrifices, whether with or without the sacrificial stake. Offerings to the Brahmanas, the ear, Samvatsara, the ear, the sacrificial, sacrificer, and the worlds where the moon sanctifies all and where the sun shines. The Tasmad Richa, from that Purusha, Tasmad means from that Purusha. What emerges? Rig Veda, all the mantras of the Rig Veda. Sama, all the mantras of the Sama Veda, Yajur Veda. Why not the Atharva Veda? So primarily these three Vedas were used in Vedic sacrifices. So that's why these three are mentioned. And often these three served as a shorthand for all four. Uh, so Trai, sometimes it was called Trai, the three Vedas. But it served as a shorthand for all the four Vedas. 
Then Diksha. Nowadays, we all undergo a kind of Diksha, which is a mantra is given by the Guru and Ishta Devata and Ishta Mantra is given. For all Vedic ritualistic ceremonies, there was a process of initiation. You were in certain disciplines, a certain dress was put on. Um, nowadays, the those who get the sacrificial thread, they put it over their shoulders, but there it was tied at the waist. And uh, uh, there was this kusha, grass, a ring was prepared of it. If you perform these rituals, you those who have performed, they know. Even now, those things are done. And then for the duration of the ritual, you were supposed to follow certain um, disciplines regarding food, and sleep, and uh, um, also internal disciplines and internal hygiene. You would not, uh, you would not give way to anger and greed and lust uh, like that. So this diksha was a certain whole set of uh, disciplines. One was introduced into for the duration of the performance of these elaborate rituals. Then yagyaascha survey. All these Vedas they contained a variety of rituals. All of them also have come from the Purusha, including the more elaborate ones which had sacrificial stakes. That means the Krata, Kratus. Then there were Dakshina. So these were offerings given to the uh, priests, the, the Brahmins who came for the elaborate Vedic rituals. Um, the Dakshina would sometimes be the cow, or sometimes gold would be given. You see that in the um, Upanishads themselves. Shankaracharya says it ranges from all the way from one cow to giving up, giving away everything that one owns. So this was the range of Dakshina, of offerings. Then Samvatsara, the year. Time was also part of the Vedic rituals. Even now, when any major puja is performed in uh, Hinduism, the, at the beginning of the puja, the worshipper says, this is the year, this is the month, and this is the fortnight, this is the tithi or the particular day, and the uh, you know the morning, uh, what is the particular time, uh, and then starts. So all of the uh, the time itself is part of Vedic ritualism. Uh, Shankaracharya says karmanga. Uh, he the word he uses is samvat samvatsarascha By year, what is meant here is time. By time, what is meant here is karmanga, a part of Vedic action, ritualistic action. Yajamanascha karta. The next word is yajamana, the agent, the one who performs um, the, the Vedic rituals. So the doer of these rituals. Then next is the result, lokaha. The idea was all of what we have got now, these worlds we are born into, they are products of our karma, our past karma. So especially the Vedic rituals were meant for giving us higher worlds. We have read in Vedanta Sara, the, the cosmology of the, uh, the Vedic people, 14 worlds, seven higher worlds and seven lower worlds. Seven higher worlds was, the first one is this world, Bhuloka, which is, uh, which is supposed to be a mixture of good and bad, pleasant and unpleasant. Then there are six higher worlds above this. Above means not physically above, better and better, subtler and better, more enjoyable, more pleasant. Um, and the highest one is called Satya Loka or Brahma Loka. The Brahma Loka is, curiously enough, in English also you have the phrase seventh heaven. It's literally the seventh heaven, the highest heaven. So the idea is that in that Brahma Loka, if one reaches that, then one does not come back. 
come back means one is not one does not go through the five fires it's not reborn here one remains there and at the end of this universe when the cosmic person dissolves back into maya you will be liberated you will not come back in the next universe so but there also they liberated means you will get knowledge you will realize i am brahman so there also there will be zoom classes and you have to study the upanishads maybe connectivity might be better there that's all but otherwise you will have to go through the teaching and realize anyway that's the general idea so it's better to do it now actually instead of waiting till then and uh, then there are in between other heavens mahar jana tapa these are heavens which are all excellent places to be in but you have got to come back you only have temporary visitor visas there so you will have to come back through that um, process of the five fires the five fires and come back to this world then there are lower worlds so the five kinds of this there's seven kinds of hell so there are seven kinds of hells uh, so be, below means worse than this our worldly existence uh, atala vitala sutala um talatala rasatala um patala the lowest one is patala i saw once a description of that um there is um a game that they used to play earlier it's like our ludo snakes and ladders but there instead of snakes going up and down in snakes and ladders you go to the higher worlds or the lower worlds and the lower worlds had little pictures in that in that big board uh, and the pictures were in the lower worlds there are big cauldrons in which you will be fried endlessly you won't die and you're dead already so there's a, <laughs> you can't die anymore you'll be somewhere you'll be fried somewhere you'll be um, burnt and somewhere uh, <laughs> you'll be turned into a shish kebab or something like that all those gruesome uh, whatever it is but they are worlds of suffering luckily none of them are permanent there is no permanent heaven or hell we'll keep whirling around in all of this mess until we become liberated until we we have had enough here what is poet uh, what is mentioned here are the two kinds of heavens the heaven from which you no don't come back the seventh heaven the brahma loka or satya loka which you reach and uh, if you want liberation so there is a category of people who may reach that and again come back into this world highly evolved but they still want to remain in this world um, and there is another category to which we all belong because we are seekers after liberation so if you ever end up in those worlds don't worry the seventh heaven you can have a good time there and you'll be liberated at the end of it all that's one thing which is mentioned here the second kind which is mentioned here are the lower heavens in between worlds where we go and then after some time we will come back to the process of the five fires but how it is mentioned here is um again very poetic you go to those places by performing these rituals where do you go after death somo yatra pavate yatra surya where where shines the sun or where everything is purified by moonlight so what it refers to in a poetic way is what is called dakshinayana and uttarayana um, the southern path path and the northern path the dark path and this the sunlit path the sunlit path is the path which takes you to brahma loka the highest heaven from which you will not come back the southern path is which takes you to the other heavens which are also very good 
but from which we'll have to come back. So now look at the mantra itself. Tasmadricha sama yajung shiriksha yajyascha sarva kratavodakshinascha sangvat sarascha yajamanascha lokaha somo yatra pavate yatra suryaha. So from that Purusha, from that cosmic being has come the Rig Veda, Sama Veda, Yajur Veda, the Diksha, the initiation disciplines of, into various rituals. All the rituals, Agnyascha Sarve, including the ones which in, involve sacrifice, Kratava. Sacrifice means animal sacrifice. And then Dakshina, the offerings to the priests, time. These are all factors in the Vedic ritualism. Time, which is part of Vedic ritualism, the performer of the ritual, who is also part of the Vedic ritual, the Yajamana, and the result of these rituals, various kinds of heavens, the highest and the other intermediate heavens, which is poetically said, the highest heaven is that where the sun shines. And the other heavens are Somo Yatra Pavati, which are purified by moonlight. Then, what else emerged? I'll just quickly read the seventh one and stop. What else emerged from that consciousness from Purusha? Tasmatcha deva bahuda samprasuta sadhya manusya pashavo vayansi prana pano vrihiyavota pascha shadha satyam brahmacharyam vidhischa. A whole miscellaneous list is given here. What else emerged? In creation, um, from that cosmic being, duly emerged the gods, the various uh, Vedic gods, whole range of Vedic gods, including another type of gods called the Sadhyas. Who else emerged? Us, the human beings. And who else? Animals, beasts, and birds, all kinds of life. Um, and the food, and their hunger and thirst. So for their hunger and thirst, rice and barley. Brihiyavo, which will, they will eat, all these, these uh, uh, living beings. And then austerity, faith, truth, uh, celibacy, and dutifulness. So all the practices which make for a, a moral life among human beings. All of these also emerge from that um, cosmic being. Okay, we will stop and take a look at the questions. The next one is complicated. It's coming down to our body and mind. The next mantra. See how it has gone. It starts off with pure consciousness. Then introduces the causal level, maya. Then brings in the subtle level of creation, cosmic mind. Then brings in the cosmic, the physical universe. You know, sun, moon, space, earth. Then brings in um, the Vedic ritualism. Then brings in the oh, and the production of living beings, sentient beings, the life and death cycle, the five fires, then Vedic ritualism, then the varieties of gods, human beings, living beings, um, you know, food, all of that, and the life of uh, a civilized life, and then it will go down to the physical level, to our physical body mind uh, level, at the individual level. It will talk about our senses, our mind, our intellect. That also has come from that pure consciousness. Okay. And then finally, one more mantra will be there. The actual physical universe of Mount, very poetic. From that, the mountains came, as did the rivers and the ocean and all of that we'll talk about. Good. Jill is asking, uh, 
I get confused with all the different names, uh, you and all of us. And that's why the, um, the Upanishads and all Vedic texts, they need a teacher. They are pretty esoteric. They are part of a Vedic culture. Um, and so it needs to be interpreted to make sense of it. Otherwise, we'll keep tripping over multiple names of the same entity and one name alone used in multiple ways. Is Vishnu, Virat, Vish, uh, Vishwa, Vishwan are all the same and referring to the same Purusha? Essentially, yes. Yes, it's the same one consciousness. But um, three names we need to keep in mind. That one consciousness plus Maya is called Ishwara. Um, and then that one consciousness plus Maya plus the cosmic mind is called Hiranyagarbha. One consciousness plus Maya plus cosmic mind plus the cosmic body, this entire universe with consciousness is uh, uh, called Virat. Another name is Vishwarupa. And all of this can be called Purusha. Uh, the entire thing can also be called Vishnu. Yes. Vishwa has, there's a technical meaning for that. The individual co conscious being with the body-mind is called Vishwa in the Mandukya Upanishad, actually. So all this is... <laughs> anyway, um, just keep this thing in mind that uh, pure consciousness is the only reality, Purusha. Purusha, Akshara, Brahman. And then three levels. Causal, subtle, physical. And at two dimensions. The individual beings like us and the cosmic total. That's all we need to know. The reality is pure consciousness. And then the rest of it is, um, you have to understand that three levels, causal, subtle, physical, and at two dimensions, that is individual and cosmic. Sonali says, if the Vedas are revealed in every creation, they must reside in Maya seed state which persists across the cycles. Yes, they are the eternal knowledge of Ishwar. So they all... Ishwar always has the knowledge, spiritual knowledge, which is revealed. In some sense, uh, in some interpretations, it is Ishwara who gives them to humanity or um, reveals them to the uh, sages. Or in some uh, interpretations, they always exist in each cycle the sages experience it. And they're continuously experiencing it. Um, Vivekananda said, that's how we define the Vedas. Vivekananda defined the Vedas not as just these fixed texts which the Hindus have. It is the sum total of spiritual knowledge. And every religion has discovered some part of it. And it is unending. There's more and more to be discovered. There will be more which will be discovered in, in, in future. And then Amira says, How can I be one with Vishnu when he's the supreme God, when I see so many flaws, imperfections, impurities inside me? Yes. How can I be one with Vishnu? Remember, Vishnu is Sarva Bhutantaratma, is the innermost being of all of us, already one with us. We couldn't even exist without Vishnu, without that one underlying Purusha, pure consciousness, whatever you call it. So Vishnu, that pure consciousness is already one with you. Now I see so many imperfections, flaws, impurities inside me. Inside what? You can see it in your body, in your behavior, in your language, in your thought, in your characteristics, maybe in your, uh, in your qualities. That's what we are dissatisfied with. But all of these are um, not the real you. The real you is one with Purusha or Vishnu, is, is pure existence consciousness place. These are characteristics of what is called Upadhi. The, um, you know, I, I explained what an Upadhi is. 
Do you remember the example which I gave of the crystal? This one, the colorless crystal, and then you bring something near it, like a, this brown color. Now you see the crystal, the crystal looks brown. So this brown color is the upadhi. The crystal without ever becoming brown still looks brown. Similarly, because of the upadhis, because of the appearance of body, mind, personality, you, the pure consciousness, like crystal, without ever becoming imperfect, you feel, I am imperfect. I have so many problems. So the imperfections in the upadhis, in the body-mind, they have to be removed. You can struggle to remove them and make, make it better. But remember, all the time, whatever our body is, whatever our um, minds are like, whatever our personality is like, all the time, what you truly are is perfectly all, all right. It's perfectly always in union with God or one with divinity. It, that cannot be destroyed, cannot be shaken. You are all right. This thing, this um, at the level of the body-mind, at the level of the world, we have to work at it continuously. Make it better. You'll never make it perfect, however. That's the, that's the very nature of uh, manifestation. Krishan says, Shankaracharya's Sanskrit movie, these verses from Chandogya Upanishad describing creation are graphically described in a conversation between Shankar and Vyasa and his guys. Sonali says, one of the death rituals is called Antim Samskara. That is the, exactly this one, Antim Samskara. So a ritualistic Hindu was supposed to go through many such rituals. The Vedic ritualist had 41 such samskaras, rituals, from the moment of conception of the baby till the disposal of the dead body in the funeral fire. So these are called samskaras or rituals. The last one is that anteshti which I referred to, the final sacrifice. Rick Archer, taking beliefs as hypothesis, I believe that heaven exists. There are a lot of experiential uh, evidence for it from near-death experiencers and those who are who remember life between lives. The idea that soul incarnates via clouds, rain, grain, etc. seems like a primitive belief to me. An improbable hypothesis. It doesn't match the memory or cognition that some people have of the soul entering the fetus at a certain stage of gestation. True. Um, you, I don't know how you'd interpret it. Uh, I'm sure some might have in, um, taken it literally, but you can interpret it metaphorically. As I said, notice there is a ritualistic religious dimension to it, after death going and staying in heaven. There is a natural dimension to it, clouds and all that, and the rainfall. And there is a living dimension to it, plants and um, you know uh, herbs and crops growing. And then there is a, um, a social, uh, marital uh, dynamic to it, the male and the female, and the conception of the child. You can take it in those larger pictures instead of literally thinking about uh, rainfall and uh, and plants and um, and grains and barley. I think there's a certain compelling logic to the whole thing. And, and it's, a paint, it's painting a very vast picture, actually, across different domains of belief, of, na of natural cycles of the uh, world, the non-living world. You know, the sun and the clouds and the rain. And then the living world, the non-human world. And then the human world and family, uh, marriage and childbirth and all of that. Then Parul says, what are the, some of the steps, austerities, rules a Grihastha must follow before getting Mantra Diksha to be better prepared for the blessing and practice? Yes. In our order, you would always be asked, first of all, um, to 
read up a little bit of the traditions of the the, the tradition you are you want to enter into. So you should know a little bit about it. So in our order, for example, they will ask you to read up the life stories of Sri Ramakrishna, Masharada, Swami Vivekananda. Read a little bit of the Gita. Get an orientation. What is it that I want? Why am I taking this initiation? What will I get out of it? Where am I going with this? Sri Ram says, how can we best use this cosmology description to realize our true nature? This is meant to emphasize that form and formless are one, as Thakurji used to say. In the Vedic context, this was a meditation. Now, this is one thing I forgot to mention. Thanks to Sri Ram for reminding me how are we going to use this. We are not going to use it, but remember, in the Vedic people, for example, the five fires. This is one way they meditated on the cycle of life. What happens after death? Where do I go? How do I come back to this earth? This is how they meditated. And one result, at least one straightforward result of this kind of meditation or the various kinds of Vedic meditation was a purification and expansion of the mind. You know, not just this little person, this body which is going to get old and die very soon. No, I'm much vaster than this. I have come and gone down these paths many times, you know, throughout the centuries and millennia. Brinda says, is subtle body that goes through different worlds. Correct, it's a subtle body, Sukshma Sharira. Rama says these verses seem to be a poetic version of what we read in Vedanta Sara. Absolutely. They all part, form part of the same worldview. They have come from the Upanishadic worldview. The Upanishadic worldview has come from the Vedic worldview. These five um, fires, the science of five fires, is basically a poetic way of looking at how the Vedic people saw the world and life. Um, Kiran says, it's interesting the truth, austerity, etc. are mentioned, but not ignorance. No, these are um, things to be practiced. This is how people um, develop themselves. We be how we become civilized and from civilized to um, divinize ourselves. And then Sunali says, is all of the description signifying how the transcendent Brahman plus Maya projects the immanent world and people? Yes. Prem says, how are these sacrifices justified in the Upanishad? Any lower form of life is consciousness too and same as the soul liberating it without its consent does not seem fair. True, true. That's why over time animal sacrifices have fallen out of favor. Uh, in the Durga Puja in Belurmat, for example, there is no animal sacrifice. Uh, I think it's a cucumber or uh, that, that is sacrificed. Of, of fruit that is, or vegetable that is sliced. How important is it to go through samskaras? Okay, I'll end with that. These samskaras, many of them have become outmoded. Um, gourd, yes, Sangeeta said it's gourd. So these samskaras, many of them have become outmoded. However, however, all civilization in every culture, they will have certain rituals they go through to mark different stages of life, to being accepted into you know, going from childhood to adulthood, uh, getting into, say, marriage, uh, becoming a religious practitioner, a meditator. For example, our Diksha ceremony. Many of us have been initiated into a mantra. It's a ceremony. It shows you um, progressing or developing spiritually, going to a higher level of life, becoming spiritually oriented, a spiritual seeker. So these rituals mark something in our life, in our evolution. And it's good to have some rituals performed. Whatever your culture, every culture has some. So uh, it's good. 
they have they speak to something in our unconscious not they're not something meant to be understood in strictly logical terms not in strictly philosophical terms rather more in um in terms of the unconscious the subconscious something that nurtures us at a deep level not just at the intellectual level good om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna arpanamastu